0: Steel Toes and Scoreboards Podcast. Word association, Dirty Curdy. First thing that comes to mind. He takes the lead. Am I wrong? God, I hate Tom Brady. He's talented, but yeah. You just won't call him the goat, will you? We should have called ourselves the Hashtag Tits Podcast. A thousand downloads a day, guaranteed. Two so talking sports. I love it, bro. <laughs> Is he the best running back you've ever seen? If he's not, then who is? Who do you put at number one, bro? There will be a Detroit Pistons Bad Boys episode one day. Man, you love that two-year run, don't you? No, I do. You can get a hot bat anywhere. You build around your pitching, or at least I do if I'm in charge. Pitching and defense wins your World Series hands down. I came out of the closet as a Lakers fan. Whoa, bro, scared me there for a second. Uh, Sure bet, sure bet. (laughs) There will be an increase of boxing talk on this show. I love boxing. I'm down for that anytime. Our few non-sports episodes have been pretty well received. We do a good thing about running a two-fold podcast. Please put Pete Rose in the damn Hall of Fame. Charlie Hustle, the all-time hits leader. It's political bullshit, and he, if he ever sees the Hall of Fame, he'll be after he's no longer with it. I miss the NBA I grew up on in the 90s and the early 2000s. The game isn't the same that these kids can play. We're starting to talk more hockey, and that's, you know, it's that's never a bad thing. Puck the world, puck it all. Puck the world! <laughs> Kurt says, I promise you, I can work a pro wrestling reference into every episode. Want to see me do it? Weird flex, but okay. I can't believe. Uh, seriously, in all seriousness, I can't believe we've been doing this show a year now. I can't believe people still listen after a year. You know, you have the perfect face for radio. Oh, cut me deep, son. <laughs> cut me deep. He exploded a bird with a fastball. i seen it happen. Randy Johnson, the big unit. That's such fun, the big unit. So, uh, you know, I I got a little soccer news now, for you. No, no, let me stop you right there. That's a no for me. We don't talk soccer on this show. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Let me ask you, though. Does Kobe win three in a row without Shaq on the Lakers? What do you think? Boy, that's, that's uh, it's pretty tough. All right, well, look at it this way. He's a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Without question, and he's still so young. Lots of mileage left in that kid. All right, guys. Enjoy the next episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards coming to you now. Alright guys, welcome to another episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards. Jared Atkins here. Uh, I don't quite know where Puss is. Uh, I do know he's been pushing himself pretty hard at work lately, so he might have fell asleep on me. We were set for 7.30 and, uh, you know, it's almost, uh, I told him I gave him a little bit here, I had to get set up. It's been a while since we've done this. Uh, obviously, I just put out something yesterday, like forty minutes worth of nothing, just to let you guys know that we're still around. <laughs> and then I texted him today, and I was like, "Dude, fuck this. We have to. We have to get back on the mic." So, and uh, the few fans that we do have have been asking for content, so we're we're here for another Weeknight Chronicles episode. Uh, got a lot to talk about. A lot. A lot of news stuffs going on. Obviously, like I said yesterday. Uh, and if you haven't checked out that little 40 minute mini episode, uh, do it if you want to, uh, there's no groundbreaking content, but, uh, as I said yesterday, we've missed so much news cause we haven't been together since December. The first week of December is the last time we put out any content. So we've missed a lot of good, good news, but, uh, we're, we're, we're news heavy all the time. This is, uh, excuse me, my breathing. I'm just, uh. A little sick, so battling a small bit of bronchitis or whatever that shit is like. So I'm I'm literally like, <gasps> <sighs> of course you know I'm fucking fat too, so you know that doesn't help, but it's noticeably worse. <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, that's gonna annoy me because you guys, you know, you can hear it right here when I go, <gasps> but you're not hearing it constantly. Back up and circulating around these headphones. But anyways. Uh, I did not lost my train of thought. Two minutes in, Kurt ain't here to, to guide me, and I am already went fucking just the other way. All right, Uh, so as always, we will, uh, we will roll tape, and uh, if we can get a hold of Kurt, that's fantastic. If not, have no fear, he'll be back with us. As I said yesterday, I still have a busy couple of weeks yet left in January, so it will be the end of January, beginning of February, before we can actually get together and do a full-length feature episode but uh that being said let let's get into it and I want to start by talking about tony Stewart uh this news is a little over a week old so but it's it's still cool and uh it it means something to me so uh last year uh and uh no actually I guess it'd be two years ago now in 2021 uh, tony Stewart his superstar racing experience, or called SRX, they launched a partnership with CBS, which put uh, stock car races and, and things of that nature in a primetime Saturday night slot. Now, what the Tony Stewart SRX, the uh, the superstar racing experience is, is they pit uh, drivers in, from NASCAR, from IndyCar, and from other series against each other in identical cars. And uh, just let them battle it out. Well, they are moving from CBS to ESPN. And it's going to be a summer-long thing called Thursday Night Thunder. So, for some of you older people, uh, older than me, a little bit older than me, or a lot, you remember Thursday Night Thunder on ESPN because that was what their branding was for motorsports back in the 80s. The Thursday Night Thunder the old programming would showcase grassroots-style racing from all across the United States. Now, Stewart said in a quote that Thursday Night Thunder is where guys like me who are just starting our careers uh, got a chance to make our name for ourselves because of its presence on ESPN. It's great to see Thursday Night Thunder return, but it's also great to be a part of it all over again with the superstar racing experience. Now, Stewart won the inaugural season championship and Marco Andretti was crowned champion this past summer. But ac- across the uh, sport as a whole of this uh, SRX, there have uh, of the participating drivers, there have been four in the NASCAR Hall of Fame and combined for five Cup championships, three IndyCar titles, four Daytona 500 wins and five Indianapolis 500 wins. Now, uh, Burke Magnus, who is the president of ESPN Pro, if you thought that name was familiar, it is it's because he's the, he's the head of ESPN's programming and original content. He said, quote, that SRX has been an impressive property in its first two seasons and has produced competitive and compelling action and television. So we look forward to bringing live racing back to summertime Thursday nights on ESPN with SRX. So now so th- this is a big thing. Uh, it's, a, it's exciting when you think that ESPN first start Aaron cup racing for NASCAR back in 1981 from Rockingham, excuse me. Uh, so, so this will be something to keep your eye on. I think this will be fun. Uh, I didn't watch any of the, the first two seasons of it. I didn't check out one. Obviously I seen highlights as, as a, uh, a podcaster and, a. Uh, as we are on the Weeknight Chronicle episodes, I joke with Kurt that we're sports journalists. It's our duty to be at least somewhat informed of everything. If we don't watch it, we at least need to uh, to check highlights of it. I've seen the highlights. It's it's, it's cool. It'll definitely bring a, a little more eyes to it, uh, being on ESPN. Nothing wrong with CBS. That's a major network, and that was weekend prime time. But here you're during the week. People are home more. They're not out like they are on the weekends. And uh, ESPN is more, you know sports based, nothing against CBS and CBS sports and all that. I, I just think this is a this is a smart business decision, and hopefully it works out well for everybody involved. Okay, so we don't talk politics on this show. Uh, we make a lot of political jokes. Sometimes we go on uh, or if you're me, especially talking about Kaepernick, you, you go on almost. A political soapbox but we don't talk a lot of politics and stuff here uh we talk sports and what we've started to really talk a lot of in 2022 was boxing and uh going back to the summer of 2021 one of our top 10 most downloaded episodes of all time top five actually uh was our tyson versus ali what if you know special but we start talking a lot more boxing, and uh, how how am I linking po- politics and boxing? well, we got some major boxing news that's came out that has uh, got some support from some people and clamored for the fucking heads of some other people, and it's politically related. It's it's about uh, transgender, and you know this is uh, this is a hot button issue all over the world as as far as uh, I always say alphabet community because I always fuck up the abbreviations the uh, LGTB whatever I call it the alphabet community Uh, the rights of people in the alphabet community and and trans and uh, man however you fucking feel about that shit whether you're anti it or pro it or whatever at the end of the fucking day man it's just another human being but at any rate when it crosses over into sports, and this is actually, this is actually the first of two pieces in tonight's episode about transgender and sports. Believe it or not, that's making headlines. But that being said, uh, the World Boxing Council, the WBC, one of the uh, you know four governing bodies in the sport of professional boxing, they plan to introduce a category this year. Four transgender fighters now this come out uh about a week ago today maybe over the weekend it was either about a week ago today or over the weekend this was from the president of the wbc mauricio Suleiman. he said the measure is being undertaken because of safety and inclusion and to ensure that a man fighting a woman will never happen So what the WBC is going to do is they are going to employ an at-birth rule, which means a transgender fighter who is assigned male at birth will only be allowed to box against other transgender fighters assigned male at birth, with similar limitation applying to transgender fighters assigned female at birth. Quote, now this quote is coming from Mauricio. It says, quote, The World Boxing Council, through its medical committee and technical committee, reached a determination after studies and important talk during the annual WBC convention. An absolute and total confirmation was reached to not allow fights between people born men against people who were born women, regardless of what their current gender is. That is the main determination to not allow fights between men and women for the protection that we have always had of women's boxing. On the other hand, a program is opened with a committee to allow transgender people to participate in boxing if they wish. It is an inclusion program, and the World Boxing Council rejects any type of discrimination. That is why instead of simply rejecting and putting aside transgender people who want to box a man against a man or a woman against a woman of birth, we'll have parameters and a committee that endorses and gives them a special program. Now, Mauricio said that the WBC will start seeking out athletes interested in competing in 2023 and most likely create a league and a tournament. How, I mean, you can take this how you want uh, the whole transgender thing in the sports and, and man, honestly, and I don't mean any fucking disrespect. It hurts my head. It, it hurts my head. When I think about all this, it, 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 it uh, they're, at the end of the day, they're just people, but there's so many different facets to them and their genders and the things you have to say uh, and the things you can't say and how you have to just work. Like, I try to be a decent human being. At the end of the day, I'm an idiot on this show, but at the end of the day, I try to be a decent human being and do the right thing. Sometimes I fuck up. Sometimes I fail. Like, I'm going to pull no punches. But... Uh, it, you know do some people thinking well they're being disrespectful here they're they're not allowing Trent that's not at all they're they're opening another category for you for some people who feel like so, I guess that's how you take it like I, like I'm really perplexed about this. Uh, I've, I kind of scoured the internet I found some kickback on it and then I found some support on it. okay, maybe they are not allowing you to fight this category this weight class against this fighter because of at birth assignments versus where you are now but they're still creating they're creating another category or a league or something which is going to give people who probably never would have got a chance anyways a chance so maybe you're sacrificing one quote unquote for the greater good and I think this is a good thing. I think this is going to be a really successful thing. Uh, <clears throat> you know what? You can shit on it all you want for the people that are saying that this is uh, transphobia and, and hatred and prejudice towards trans people. And believe me, like I said, when I scoured the internet, there was some feedback about uh, that way. But at the end of the day, you're giving people a chance who probably wouldn't have had a chance to begin with. So, You might be taking a step back here for now, or it feels that way, but you're taking two steps forward in the long term for what you're preventing, uh, for what you're uh, doing and presenting for combat sports and the sport of boxing and uh, human rights. So hats off to them, man. Like, literally, like, I am fully in support of this because, again, to some people it looks like we're being, you know, Disincluded disincluded, not unincluded. But then over here, you're opening up a whole nother avenue. So again, I could talk about this all day. Uh, but this is a really good fucking thing. That this is this is honestly a feel-good story. This is awesome. So uh, you know. <laughs> there you go, WBC. <laughs> all right. I need some water here. Uno momento, por favor. Okay, let's talk about Memphis. Y'all remember Lorenzen, right? I do. No name not sound familiar. Oh, you out there in the background here? I can hear you shouting. You remember Lorenzen. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Unfortunately, he did pass away. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Memphis plans to retire the jersey of Lorenzo White during a game next month. Come, this is coming uh, twelve or thirteen years now after he was fatally killed. So the program uh, said yesterday that it's going to retire n- number fifty-five, which Lorenzo R- Lorenz White wore. Lorenzo White wore. Lorenzo White wore. Uh, at the halftime of the game against Tulane University on February fourth. Now, Lorenzo White was a he was a standout player for Memphis. He ranks in top fifty all time on the Tigers all time scoring list. He played thirteen years in the NBA. Uh in two thousand nine he was named to the school's Hall of Fame for Athletes. And he was a he was a big intimidating dude. Dude was six foot eleven. Uh, he retired from the NBA in following the 2008 and 2009 season. Where did Lorenzen Wright play for those of you that don't remember? Well, he had a few pit stops in the league. Uh, he was drafted by the Clippers. And if I remember correct, he was a top 10 overall pick. I don't remember where at, but if I'm not mistaken, uh, he should have been a top 10 overall pick. Uh, and I do believe he was—he—he was, he, he was drafted in LA. I can remember that clear as day. Cause, and when I was ten or eleven years old, so you know, 95, 96, 97, 98, I still watched a lot of basketball. And I want to say I was about nine or ten when he came in. So that's—and it was an LA team. You know, fuck it, fuck it. Where's the Google, Kurt? Hop in the Google machine for us. I know it had to be one of the LA teams. I didn't, I didn't even need to give you this information. I could have just stopped it, but I'm like, I've, I'm already, I'm already into it. 1996 round one, seventh overall Clippers. See, Look at me. I said 95, 96, 97, somewhere in there. And I said he was top 10 overall. seventh I said it had to be one of the LA teams Clippers. Boom. He played his first three seasons, four seasons in the league with the Clippers uh, he had a pit stop with the Atlanta Hawks. Played for the Grizzlies from 2001 to 2006. From 6 to 08, he went to the Hawks From and uh, finished 2008 with the Sacramento Kings. And his last season in the league played with LeBron in Cleveland. Okay, but anyways, getting back to, you know, they're going to honor his jersey, but of course, can't talk about this without the tragic murder. And of course, If any of you can remember, uh, the death of Lorenzo Wright was one of the most scrutinized and highly publicized uh, murder cases in Memphis, Tennessee history. They found his, uh, unfortunately, rest in peace, they found his decomposing body in a swampy Memphis, Tennessee field. Uh, in the summer heat in July of 2010, he had been missing six days, almost a week before his body was discovered. Of course, it was later ranked that her, that his ex-wife and her friend, uh, were involved in this. Uh, they were obviously, uh, it took several years, uh, it took several years to to get this but finally in december of 2017 uh lorenzen wright's ex-wife uh and her friend billy ray turner were indicted on murder charges she later entered a surprise guilty plea on a lesser conviction charge and she got 30 years in prison uh in march of 22 turner was convicted of first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison with no parole but anyways uh they're they're going to honor his jersey which which is nice uh Lorenzo Wright was a big dudes man six eleven uh but anyways, nobody should go out like that nobody should should be brutally murdered and then just left to lay there in a fucking field decomposing in uh hot ass Memphis Tennessee July heat like that's just ridiculous. Uh, I'm glad to see they're going to honor his jersey number, though. That's that's what's up to me. Everybody's got their opinions on what's big in sports and what means something to me. A jersey retirement was always was always a big thing. That was that always set with me is that is a big thing. All right, so moving forward, uh, John Calipari had a fan kicked out. <laughs> had a fan kicked out of Rupp Arena. <laughs> during Kentucky's loss to South Carolina the other night. Why did why do I say this? Why do I say this? Because I believe this is what happened. Uh, <laughs> there was a fan that was holding up a sign that had said, please go to Texas. Uh, this is coming on the heels of the rumors that uh, Calipari could be uh, a, a leading candidate to coach the Texas Longhorns, of course, As I talked about yesterday, that is because, uh, you know, that is because Chris Beard was fired over his domestic violence thing. Uh, Now, the fan held up the sign several minutes before arena security arrived following complaints from other fans. Uh, A spokesman for the University of Kentucky said afterward the man was given the choice of putting the sign away, but he refused and chose to leave. Now, I say – I don't say he chose to leave. I said he uh, he was made to leave. Uh, Kentucky's not doing – they're 10-6. They're I think they're 1-3 in conference play right now. Look like uh, – that's what it looks like there. Uh, I don't know. Calipari's not uh, – Calipari is not the same Calipari, but at the end of the day, Kentucky still gets recruits because Calipari puts guys in the NBA. Alabama, Alabama could not win another game for the next twenty-five seasons. Saban, oh, twenty-five seasons—that was a really fucked up. We went way out there on it. Alabama could not win a game for the next four seasons. Kids would still come, coat still come to Alabama because Saban puts guys in the NFL. Calipari puts guys in the NBA. Uh, I don't know what you would get at Texas that you're not getting at Kentucky. Obviously, maybe more money. I don't know. Uh, Texas is a premier school, or Kentucky is a premier school. When you think of uh, prestige and things, I, I, I don't, and college basketball, I'm always going to think Kentucky over the Longhorns. Uh, but that's just that's just me. Uh, that would be really that would be rather interesting, though, to see Calipari somewhere different because how many years has it been at Kentucky now? Since what, 9, 10, 11, something like that? Because 2012 is when they won the national title, right? Because that was the big Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, Anthony Davis, and all them guys. Man, that's another episode one day maybe talking about former college stars that just kind of disappeared in the NFL in the NBA or you call it but I ain't gonna call it bust but man everybody knew Anthony Davis was the star but for sure shit you know MKG couldn't have been that far behind it you know Kid Gilchrist was whew, he's a hell of a player moving on though folks we we are moving on uh, Tyson Cravener pay attention to this Army hockey coach Brian Riley uh, has come out and said that a team trainer uh, potentially saved the life of forward Eric Huss who suffered a severe neck injury caused by a skate during a game at Sacred Heart recently. Huss is a junior from Dallas, Texas caught an inadvertent skate to the neck in the second period of the game. Uh, The team trainer uh Rachel Leahy, Jim Leahy, Randy Bobandy. Damn it, squirrel, squirrel. Trailer Park Boys. In, in in fairness, uh, there's not many things in my life I can say that I got in on something before a lot of the masses did. A lot of people like trailer park boys. They've seen it on Netflix, okay. I remember watching Trailer Park Boys late night TV show reruns, cable TV. I first discovered it in like 2007, eight ish I know a lot of people fell in love with it, you know, after the 2010s and the 20-teens on Netflix, full on, you know, that's one of the things I'm proud to say. I, I got in a lot earlier than most people. I don't happen in my life very often. But I, I can't look at anybody with the last name Leahy now without automatically right to Trailer Park Boys. But anyways, Rachel Leahy rushed into action and took measures to control the bleeding. Uh, Hus got his neck cut fucking deep. Like deep with this skate. Uh, he is recovering. He's expected to make a full recovery. Uh, he's expected to return to West Point campus. Uh in the next few days uh, after going surgery at the hospital. uh, And Army hockey coach Brian Riley came out and said that a terrible tragedy was avoided tonight and a life was saved because of the quick action of our trainer and the medical staff that were in the arena tonight. We're grateful that our player will live to see another day and is okay because of them. Uh, This injury come almost in a year Almost a year to the date uh, that, um, where did that happen at? Excuse me, somewhere in the Northeast, where we had a where we had a high school student die from a similar wound from a skate during a hockey game. Uh, where was that at? Kurt and I weren't doing weeknight chronicles in January of 2022. We didn't start these till April. Where the fuck was that? If you hop in your Google machine and you, and you Google it somewhere in January of 2022, somewhere in the Northeast around somewhere in that, that area around, you know, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Maryland, Delaware, somewhere in that area, the Northeast, there was a high school student who couldn't have been 15, 16, 17 years old. He had a similar injury on a hockey game with a cut on his neck from a skate, and he fucking bled out and died. Uh, and that that led to – because I can remember the headlines. We weren't doing Weeknight Chronicles then, but I was – my God, I lived off the ESPN app. I still do. And that was all the they were talking about for a couple of days was they were examining – God, I can hear that breathing again. I hate winter, man. Whatever it is, it's in my chat. Anyways, uh, they were they were examining and how to make the equipment safety uh, safer, more safer for youth sports. But at the end of the day, this this kid died. This high school student died. But anyways, Huss's injury was almost an, a year to the day. So, thank God. Tragedy averted there. Crisis averted. This young man's going to live to see another day, which at the end of the day is the most important thing. Moving on. Maybe I need to start segueing when I say moving on. All right, guys. Moving on. This is what happens when Kurt leaves me unsupervised. You guys like callbacks, right? That's a big term we use on the show. Well, there's a few callbacks tonight. And first, let's start with one of the biggest sports stories in the last year, year and a half, and that would be the USC college admissions scandal story. <clears throat> we got some more news about that. A, <clears throat> a former USC athletics department official who willingly accepted bribes from the ringleader of a nationwide call admission scandal uh, was sentenced Friday to 6 months in prison Donna Heinel was also sentenced in US District Court in Boston to 2 years of probation and was ordered to forfeit the $160,000 she gained from the scheme That's right this woman made 160k accepting bribes for this college admission scandal. Now, her sentencing came just after ringleader Rick Singer was sentenced to three and a half years in prison, which so far has been the longest sentence in Operation Varsity Blues. How cool is that? Everybody's seen Varsity Blues. Anybody that watches sports, every fucking person out on this planet I've seen Varsity Blues. I don't want your life. Wait, can I do do it one more time? I don't want your life. But anyways, everybody's seen Varsity Blues. That's what this apparently was labeled. Uh, So far, there has been convictions or guilty pleas entered for more than 50 people. Uh, Obviously, you know, Hollywood actors and wealthy business people, obviously. Aunt Rebecca from Full House was involved in this. We all know, and I can't remember who all else was in this. But uh, so uh, Heinel, uh, you know, uh, I just lost my place in my notes here. Prosecutors said that Heinel abused her position as the liaison between USC's athletic coaches and the subcommittee on athletic admissions by misleading the committee into approving the admission of approximately two dozen singer applicants as purported athletic recruits. When in reality, the coaches had not recruited him and some did not even play the sport that they were purportedly being recruited to play. The prosecution wrote in a sentencing memorandum. Now the university started to catch on and surprised high school counselors raised red flags. She lied to cover her tracks And she continued the scheme. She remains reluctant to accept the responsibility for her actions. Defense lawyers asked that she be spared prison time. So uh, her conduct for which she takes full responsibility is not representative of who she is, of who she was or who she is today, wrote her defense attorney. An outwardly strong and powerful woman with a fragile and insecure inner being. Dr. Heinel's fall from grace is the product of her own decision-making, but it is also the product of the pressures put upon her by a dysfunctional university school system at USC and the powerful men who, inhabit, who inhabited her orbit. Okay, so <laughs> Kurt and I had a field day with this story when we first started talking about it, uh, and we have, uh, we have had many callbacks to this story. On our show, and we have a field day with this all the time. Like y'all let kids into school who I I mean I don't I don't really want to I don't ever want to incl- not include anybody, but y'all let kids into school that probably had no business being at that school. Definitely had no business being involved in the sport they said they were being involved in when they had no experience with it. Of course, some did. Some were just worse or player worse. Or, look at me. Some were just far worse as players than the others. Uh, I don't really know what to think about this story. I mean, they got Aunt Becky. You know, I mean, my God, they got Aunt Becky for God's sakes. And I mean, she had to deal with that. She, she. But you know, uh, excuse me, I'll be honest. So much. You know, Aunt Becky fucked up. She made her bed. She lied in it. It was all good. I but but honestly, I don't I don't remember. I just wonder I just wanted to give you guys that information for those that care that listen. Like uh, whoever's listening in California, still after months and months and months of us asking at me on Twitter at the Atkins Asylum. Atkins. Spell with a T, not a D. Think of the word fat and just take the F off. Atkins. The Atkins Asylum. Look us up on Twitter. Steel Toes and Scoreboards, we're there. Look us up on Facebook. The California person has... The state of California has become our second most downloaded state as far as downloads go. Obviously, you know, we've had over... 2000 downloads of this podcast in uh, almost two years, which I'm happy with, I guess. Um, Of course, the most comes out of the US, and obviously the most comes out of Indiana because most of our listeners are local people. But, anyways, California takes the cake with the second most downloads. And there's multiple listeners in California, but there's that one. And I know you know who you are. When I say that one, I guarantee you're listening going, well, that's me because I listen more than anybody could. What's it like out there in Cali with this USC story? Where are you at in Cali? Are you in Southern California? Are you close by UCLA or USC? Like, where are you at? Hit me up. Let's talk. I want you to come on the show. If you're listening, Callie, and I know you are, I want you to come on the show. Hit me up. Send me and Kurt a message. Well, me, not Kurt. Kurt doesn't have social media. Uh, Hit me up. I want you on the show. Talk about anything you want. Just, just anything you want. Come on the show. You want to bitch at somebody? You can bitch. You want to talk sports? We'll talk sports. You want to have fun? We'll have fun. Come on, Callie. We're going to put you on the show. Alright, moving on. I'm going to start doing this now. I'm entertaining. I'm lost without Kurt here. I have... I just... I like the joke that I can run the show without him, but I really can't. When I have no buffer, I do stupid shit like this. Like playing the... Like... uh. So this is a callback to our 40-minute episode yesterday. So long ago. Just talking about Phil Baroni and what's going on. And uh... Phil did get charged officially. Um, he did get charged officially with with the Murr. I don't have a lot more information about this. For those that don't know what I'm talking about, uh, just just get in your Google machine and just type in Phil Baroni. Uh, he's a former UFC guy. He was charged uh, yesterday or the day before with... Uh, by a state judge in Mexico with aggravated femicide, femicide, female homicide. Wow. Okay. Why don't just call it homicide? Anyways. Uh, anyways, he called police on New Year's Day after finding his girlfriend from Mexico City unresponsive. Uh, the office of public prosecutors. That's a weird office agents have presented evidence to the judge establishing baroni uh, a former UFC Pride Strike force and Bellator fighter as the suspect in her death uh, in a news release uh, that came out it said that uh, baroni verbally and then physically assaulted the woman causing at least 37 injuries that resulted in her death that's that's the the public information right there. Uh, now, what the hell did I say yesterday? He claims that, uh, he threw her into the bathroom and she slipped in or something. I don't remember what I, what I said. She, he threw her into the bathroom and she slipped in the tub or something, whatever that may be. Uh, but he's looking at, um, he's going to be in jail, uh, in Mexico until the trial begins sometime in the next 6 months and he's looking at a 30 to 50 year sentence uh for aggravated femicide that's so fucking stupid female homicide femicide why don't i just call it homicide what the fuck's wrong with you people hey man it's 2022 it's it's politically correct times it's a me too movement as it should be if you fucking physically assault the woman uh, you know, fuck you. Uh, claims. Well, I threw her in the bathroom. That's all I did. Well, you threw her hard enough. It fucked her up. And then you probably did more than what you're saying. But uh, if that's the case, good. I hope you rot, you son of a bitch. Which leads us to another callback from yesterday. Uh, Dana. Wall- <laughs> This one I shouldn't laugh about, but I just, I just am because it's just, uh, I was thinking about the slapping league again, which, yeah, well, we'll get there just saying My apologize. It's not very professional. Uh, anyways, uh, there was, <laughs> there was a, um, a, an article no, not an article. Uh, a strongly worded opinion Ed, letter, opinion Ed. opinion editorial letter. I don't, I don't know. Anyways, it was sent to, uh, it was sent to Endeavor's CEO Ari Emanuel. Okay, who is Endeavor? Endeavor is the parent company of the UFC. Endeavor owns UFC. Dana White does not own the UFC. Dana White is in charge of the UFC. Endeavor has the money. They let White do everything. Dana White literally fucking does everything. Endeavor's just the checkbook. That's all it is. Endeavor's just the checkbook. Well, with all this shit that came out about the New Year's Eve party down in Cabo, Mexico with uh uh Annie uh Annie White. Uh, Dana's wife slap him and then he got pissed and slapped her and it was caught on video with all this shit going on. There's a there was a political women's advocacy group called the California Legislative Women's Caucus. They wrote a letter and sent it to Endeavor. Uh, by the way, on this on this uh, political advocacy group, <clears throat> there's 18 state senators and 33 uh, uh, assemblywomen. Anyways, they posted a copy of the letter online. The letter <clears throat> asked for uh, Emmanuel to or basically not ask. It, de- it basically demands that they remove Dana White as the president of the UFC. Let me stop you right there. Number one, that's not going to happen. Dana White brings in too much fucking money for Endeavor. Dana White could kick a baby in the face in the middle of times square and he's running the ufc the next day matter of fact he's running the ufc the next day and having lunch with president biden or the dalai lama after kicking a baby in the face that's not so that's not going to happen uh the the letter says quote uh the head of a major sporting organization cannot claim to be for the safety of women while a video of him striking his wife Continues to circulate online without a response from you, Mister Emmanuel. The hypocrisy is astounding. Enough is enough. Dana White needs removed now. And again, uh, if you haven't seen the video, uh, whether you, I don't know if you want to see it or not, if it might be too traumatic, hey, man, we're we're trying to cover all our bases and be as PC as we can. Cancel culture sucks. We're all trying to be PC. Uh, it. I mean, uh, you see him sitting there. They're talking. I, would you call it a VIP lounge? Maybe. He says something to her. And, okay, they're rich. I mean, Danny's made a lot of millions. Him and Ann, uh, him and Annie aren't hurting for money, obviously. They're at this club. He's probably drunk, a little fucked up. Says something to her. She slaps him. You can clear as day see. Like, she slaps him in the face. <coughs> and then he hauls off and just pops the ever-loving piss out of her. And then immediately they're swarmed. People are separating them. Now, uh, like a day, day and a half after this happened, Dana realizing who he is and he's the face of this organization, and you know he's he's rich and powerful, but he's also in the public eye. He does the old song and dance. He comes out publicly, apologizes to his wife, saying there's no excuses for what happened and, and my favorite part of this apology while it might be sincere it was also sincerely insincere uh that is a scott levy term unsincerely sincere or sincerely insincere the way i just worded that's a scott levy term scott levy raven ecw look at me pro wrestling reference every show get it uh. that's right uh, this has been a really random episode. I feel like I'm on squirrel, squirrel. Kurt, you're not here to be the governor. Uh anyways, my favorite part of that he in it, that uh this is my favorite part of the song and dance. God, I keep repeating myself. Oh my god, I can't focus. Uh, sorry guys. <laughs> this this is what happens. When Kurt's not here to just kind of write the ship. Okay. My favorite part of the song and dance is when people always finish it with. I deserve whatever happens to me, or I deserve what you say. And Dana, Dana finished that like that. He did. He did the full circle, three sixty spiel. Which again, uh, he should apologize. Now, maybe he was legitimately being sincere. I'm just saying this because we've always heard me say all the time that. Rich people and celebrities aren't held to the same standards that we're held to. They get away with shit that we don't and they can say and do whatever and they're the most in anyways you know good for him apologizing I just don't believe it was that sincere uh now after his little song and dance with the media here, Annie comes out and says that it was a uh, Isolated incident that it was out of character for him. They were both drinking and things shouldn't have happened, but it fucked up shit enough to where uh TBS and again, as I said yesterday, uh Turner Broadcasting Systems, TBS, that's that's uh that's a super station. That's a big prime time fucking network. That's that's a big money place to be. That's the kind of network you want to be on. Uh they postponed the debut of his uh, Dana White's Power Slap League. And uh, they didn't cancel it, but they pushed it back a couple weeks just to err on the side of caution for bad PR. And I love that about them. Yeah, we're debuting this new show. Uh, Dana White's uh, running it. You know, it, it's his show. You know Dana White from the UFC. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Combat Sports, UFC. Yeah, beat shit out of each other. Well, we got this show coming up about people's going to be slapping people. Competition. You've seen those slap videos on Facebook. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Rich. Hello, Frank. We need to uh, hold off on Dana White's power slap league here. Let's push it back a couple weeks. What's the matter, Rich? Uh, Dana slapped the ever-loving piss out of his wife on New Year's, and uh, 9 million people saw it. So um, we don't want that kind of bad PR. Anyways. Uh, where are we at here? I told you tonight it was going to be full of callbacks, or, or a lot of, them. and and this here we we have a callback to. This one's a short callback. This one was just been within the last month, month and a half, uh, and this is about Kevin Harvick. As we said at, at the end of the twenty twenty two NASCAR season, Harvick said, you know, he he had a decision to make about his future in racing. And people kept asking him, and he said that he would know. You just know when the time's right. You just know when it's time to hang it up or when it's time to make your farewell tour. Well, Harvick announced uh, this morning that uh, this is the farewell tour. This is uh, this is it. After uh, you know over two decades. And at the sports top level, uh, 2023 is the swan song for Kevin Harbick, which is going to cap, uh, a sure NASCAR hall of fame career. Uh, he enters 2023, uh, in his final full-time season. Now, obviously some, a lot of these guys retire from full-time and they still make sporadic races here, there, uh, never say never. Right. You know, he could run a part-time schedule. He could run no schedule. But he enters uh, 60 times in victory lane in the Cup Series, uh, including a 2014 Cup championship he achieved in his very first season with Stuart Haas Racing's number 4 team. Harvick said, quote, today, There's absolutely nothing else in the world that I enjoy doing more than going to the racetrack, and I'm generally looking forward to this season. But as I've gone through the years, I knew there would come a day where I had to make a decision. When would it be time to step away from the car? I've sought out people and picked their brains. When I asked them when they knew that it was the right time, they said it'll just happen, and you'll realize that's the right moment. You make a plan, and you decide when it's your last year it's definitely been hard to understand when that right moment is because we've been so fortunate to run well. But sometimes there are just other things going on that become more important, and for me, that time has come. Now, Harvick's run of success has come with two organizations. So he's had 23 Cup Series victories with Richard Childress Racing and 37 more with team co-owners Tony Stewart and Gene Haas for Stewart Hot Racing. Now, he's scored championships in the Xfinity Series in 2001 and in 2006 as well. With championships across several series and a NASCAR Cup Series win total that ranks in the top 10, Harvick's legacy is one of the all-time great drivers, as secure said NASCAR president Steve Phelps. Beyond his success inside a race car, Kevin is a leader who truly cares about the health and future of our sport a passion that will continue long after his driving days are complete. And on behalf of the Bill France family and all NASCAR, I congratulate Kevin on a remarkable career and wish him the best of luck in his final season in NASCAR. Now, of course, uh, I'll never forget this. And uh, I was talking to my dad this evening when I was going through notes, and I told him this. Uh, Remember when Harvick took over for Earnhardt and he won in like his – My dad even remembered that. My dad said, didn't he win like his second or third or fourth start? Third. So if you remember, unfortunately the, the passing of Dale Earnhardt at the Daytona 500 in February, 2001, uh, Harvard got called up from the Xfinity series by Richard Childress. Uh, and he took over driving Earnhardt's car. That was when they took the number three off the side and, uh, Changed it from black to white and put a number 29 on. And in his third race of the season, uh, he won the race. And Harvick talked about that today. He said, looking back on it now, you realize the importance of getting in the cup car. And then we wound up winning my first race at Atlanta in the 29 car after Dale's death. Uh, that was significance is important of keeping me... Uh, The significance and the importance of keeping that car on the racetrack and winning that race early in Atlanta, knowing what we know now and what it meant to the sport, and just that moment in general of being able to carry on was so important. Harvick won his third race, like I just said right there, edging out Jeff Gordon by less than – I mean, it was, was, you know, at the checkered flag, it was neck and neck. Uh, He won Rookie of the Year honors. He uh, he won the Daytona 500 in 2007, Cole 600 in 2013, Brickyard 400 2003. He's put together a Hall of Fame career. Let's put it there. I could I could go on. I trust me. I've got several more lines in here about Kevin Harvick. Uh, all I want to say is uh, congratulations on uh, coming to the decision. Because in professional sports. No matter if you're a race car driver, no matter if you're a Hall of Fame-bound quarterback, Tom Brady, I'm looking at you. No matter if you're a professional wrestler, The Undertaker, my, how you chase that dragon. You should have hung it up in 2013. No matter what sport you're playing, uh, making that decision that it's time to go is the hardest decision to make. And then sticking with it, and so I've reached a point in my life over the last five or six years now, where when athletes start to announce their their retirement, I just like to think in my head like I'm having a conversation with them. Hey, congratulations on your retirement. Even though they haven't retired yet, they've just announced this can be it, it, it's a congratulations on a hey you you've made the toughest decision possible and that's the decision like i can't do this at the level i used to do it at anymore it's time to go father time waits for no man ain't that what they always say time waits for no man and they don't and it doesn't uh and believe me i don't want to get on a sidebar tonight but believe me that shit's true because you know what At 35 years of age and being fat and uh, just, you know, being fat and whatever, and uh, being a smoker for so long before I quit last year. Let me tell you something. I think about death every fucking day. Every day I wake up, I think about death. And that's scary. I'm 35. I shouldn't be thinking about that. But, you know, I'm not exactly in the best health. I mean, I'm working on it. I'm not, you know, I eat better. I just, I'm not active, I'm not exercising. But you know what? I think about that every night when I go to bed, too. Every day, we're one day closer to death. Time waits for no man, and when you're a professional athlete, it's uh, it's the same. It's the same thing. Time waits for no man. And uh, you know, Harvick's decided that he wants to enjoy time with his with his family. Uh, he's looking into you know some more ownership, which uh, I didn't look in this article, and I should have. I'm pretty sure Harvick owns his own team or did own a, his own team at once in the uh Bush Grand National series and the Craftsman trucks. Well, goddamn, they're not even called Bush Grand National or Craftsman Truck Series anyway. Anymore. Whatever series they are, the truck, cars, and the uh the, the lower level. Uh but but again, congratulations, Kevin. Uh I'll be rooting for you this this year just for the simple fact if it's your final year, I'd like to see good things happen for you. So uh congratulations on on making the decision and speaking of uh decisions and walking away and uh Derek Carr after like 2 weeks of not saying shit Derek Carr broke silence today on social media and put out a lengthy post uh, where he said farewell to the Las Vegas Raiders fans in a massive statement on social media, and if you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend you go and look it. I've got some I got some excerpts here from it that I'm going to read, but uh, yeah, man, because uh, he he got benched a couple weeks ago. If you guys don't remember that, this whole shit it's it, it's almost like apropos or something or I, I don't know it's just uh you know he like he's leaving or he thinks they're they're getting rid of him anyways uh car would go on to say and again I'm not going to read the whole thing but go check it out it's uh car said it breaks my heart that I didn't get an opportunity to say goodbye in person despite staying away from the team for the uh oops, excuse me that's not part of the quote this is it breaks my heart that I didn't get an opportunity to say goodbye in person we certainly have been on a roller coaster in our nine years together, haven't we? From the bottom of my heart, I am so grateful and appreciative of the years of support that you gave to my family and me. We had our share of both heartbreaking moments and thrilling game-winning drives, and I always felt like you were there next to me. It's especially hard to say goodbye because I can honestly say that I gave you everything I had every single day in the season and the off season. It wasn't always perfect. But I hope that I was able to leave you with more than a few great memories as Raider fans. Now, why this is interesting uh, is Carr signed a five-year $125 million contract extension in 2017 and then a three-year $121.5 million extension last spring and said in 2021 that he would probably quit football if he had to play for any other organization because, quote, I am a Raider for my entire life. I'm going to root for one team from the rest of my life. It's the Raiders. So I feel so strong in my heart that I don't need a perfect situation to make things right. I'd rather go down with the ship, you know, than what, you know what I'm saying, if I have to. In his latest statement, though, Carr said that, you know, he he looked forward to playing for another NFL team. Quote, I meant that, but I never envisioned it ending this way. That fire burning inside me to win a championship still rages. Uh, but see, here's the thing. His most recent deal, his most recent deal that he's on has a real fucked up clause in it, which gives the Raiders the chance to cut him within three days of the Super Bowl for a minor $5.6 million salary cap hit. That's how little it is. Uh but the deal also gave the quarterback a no-trade clause. Okay. Now, this post on social media, this, this heartbreaking and touching post, could be seen as taking away the Raiders' leverage in a trade. Carr, whose contract guarantees him $40 million if he's still with Las Vegas next season or agrees to a trade before February 15th, could simply wait for Oakland to release him and hit the open market with Las Vegas getting nothing back in return. Now, of course, uh, for those of you that pay attention, this is the this is the one I pay attention to the most. Trade deadlines do not become official until March 15th. So if the Raiders do find a trade for Carr, uh, not only would Carr have to agree to the trade, the Raiders would then have to hope that whoever was on the other end didn't just suddenly have buyer's remorse and back out of the trade deal, because when they back out of the trade deal, then they're fucked. So, you know, and and that's possible, because there could be, you know, there's there's definitely probably a market for him, and we'll get to that in a minute, but how high that market is, or, you know, right, like, who, uh, who knows? Now, he did have a have a coach or a coach. He did. Yes, he has a coach. He did have a conversation with uh, head coach Josh McDaniels uh, earlier. I uh, said, and Daniels would say earlier that we have a great relationship together, him and I. He's done a lot of great things, and anything that's said otherwise is incorrect. So we'll look forward to that. And like I said, there will be some time between now and then. Something could change. Now, Carr. Uh, Carl turned 30, 32 this spring. Uh, he stayed away from the team. You know, Jarrett Stidman started the Raiders' final two games of the season. Uh, Carr stayed away. Uh, the Raiders would finish 6-11 and this season, and Carr finished with 3,500 yards, 24 touchdowns, and 14 interceptions in 15 games. Now, Carr... Uh, He owns the franchise record for passing yards, touchdowns, sacks, fourth-quarter comebacks, game-winning drives, and starts by a quarterback while throwing only 99 interceptions in his career, which is third most in franchise history. His career record, though, is 63-79, and and he appeared in one playoff game losing in the wild-card round to the Bengals last season after throwing a last-minute interception at the goal line. Okay. So is there a market for car? Absolutely there is. I uh you know is I and I've said this and I think Kurt has too. You look at your level of quarterbacks, and there's I mean, obviously now things have changed. In in the last handful of years with the retirements of of Peyton and Drew Brees and Eli Manning and 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 a lot of those guys and uh, Rodgers is you know starting to get up there. Brady should have done being gone, but you get what I'm saying. Those level of quarterbacks there, you've you've got like your uh, perennial All Pros, you've got your uh, you got your perennial All Pros, you got your Pro Bowls, you got your solid starters. You got your game managers and on and on and on. Carr was always a solid starter or uh, flirting with potential Pro Bowl. He wasn't a perennial All Pro, not to me, but he was. He was. He was always your solid starter, a guy that's going to get you three touchdowns in about uh, three hundred yards a game. Okay, to me, a three hundred and three game is a pretty damn good game. Uh, I would even go. Uh, 250 and three but you know that and uh anyways what what I'm saying the, there's a market there's a market for him out there the Jets <laughs> like like okay apparently is Zach Wilson not the option now like what's going on there you know this was there's he was the second or third overall pick wasn't he uh car's gonna get car's gonna garner some interest i i believe that i don't believe he comes in as a backup but he, but he might if if put in the right situation to where it's a backup but there's been some stuff promised to him under the table or you're going to a team with a guy you know is not that great did you just white it ride it out for your chance uh but I think Carr. I think Carr ends up somewhere else this year. I don't think he walks away from football. I don't think he walks away from football, and I don't think he stays with the Oakland Raiders. I think he's somewhere else for the twenty twenty three season. I cannot wait to see where we are at come September. Um. So yeah. Cart. Yes. Hey, thanks for pushing that button for me, Kurt. Let's segue to something. Okay. You want to plug anything? Nah, I don't really plug sponsors on as many episodes. All right, Hattie, old girl. All right, puss. I'm so embarrassed. I might delete this whole fucking show. Here's a little something I wanted to throw in here. (laughs) Northwestern while i mean i've never really considered them a, a, a an enormous uh sporting powerhouse i'm more thinking about them for their academics especially doctoring and stuff but uh they're making news because of their football program is in some shit allegations involving hazing which I know some of you listening, you're like hazing a rite of passage. That's how things are done. Well, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. Nowadays, some of that shit's not funny anymore. It's not cool. Uh, some days it's, it's gotten stupid. There's been, there's been students all across this country in the last 20 years or so. That's fucking died from hazing from excess drinking and, and everything. Uh, but, uh, There was uh, a schools made aware of some allegations after the 2022 season uh, and the universe, Northwestern University has hired an independent attorney, a lady named Maggie Hickey from the law firm. Aren't the law firm aren't Fox Schiff. That's fucking weird. Aren't like you aren't going Fox like Red Fox and Schiff like Schiff work. But spelled different. Uh, sh- basically, uh, Northwestern statements came out. While we don't know yet whether these ag- allegations are true, hazing is strictly prohibited by university policy, and we take these claims seriously. The health, safety, and well being of our students is the first priority. The inquiry in its very early stages right now and will be relig- rigorously fair. To everyone in the process, it will focus on gathering facts, and we will not jump to conclusions. Northwestern strongly supports members of our community who come forward with these concerns, and encourages anyone to report those concerns to the university. Now, the AD for Northwestern, Derek Gregg, informed players and coaches of in the inquiry uh, yesterday, uh, according to source according to sources. Now, Northwestern did not specify if the allegation came from a player or involved players, coaches, or staff, but the school said that its athletic department will fully cooperate with uh, attorney Hickey during the investigation. The purpose of her investigation is to find underlying truth of the allegations, including the scope of any potential hazing activity or harmful culture. Uh, just, Just for reference... Just so if it is true, you guys can berate them about this, uh, they should be focusing more on their play than Hazen because uh, Northwestern finished 1-11 and this year. Uh, that's the worst record since it went winless during the 1989 season. And yet they're coached by a former National Defensive Player of the Year at the school, Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, another callback. Uh, back in November, October, we talked a little bit about uh, Matt Holiday. Now, I'm not a Cardinals fan. Fuck everybody. But uh, Matt Holiday was coming back. Uh, he was going to be their bench coach. Well, the, hire, the Cardinals uh, today hired uh, Joe McEwing as their new bench coach to replace Matt Holiday, who took the job back in the spring november but holiday has quit the job to spend more time with his family now the fifth year old ewing was drafted by the cardinals in 1992 he played two seasons for st louis and spent the last 15 years with the white Sox, where he has served as the bench coach from 2017 to 2020 uh and this past season as the third base coach for tony la russa and acting manager miguel cario cairo McEwing also served as a third base coach in Chicago from 2012 to 2016 under Robin Ventura, along with managing stints at high A Winston Salem and triple A Charlotte in the white Sox system. Now holiday, uh, was a fan favorite who helped St. Louis obviously win the world series in 2011. Uh, he was hired back in November to replace skip Schumacher. Uh, but anyway, you know he changed his mind. He wanted out, so he's he's out. I don't think in the scheme of things this changes much. I think with Ewing, what you're going to get is you're going to get a guy that's uh, going to make the best decisions possible to help the club. Uh, I think you got a guy that's going to fall in line and work really well with the skipper. Who is the skipper again this year? Cardinals. It's uh Yeah. Oliver's still. Okay. So uh I'll be interested to see, you know, like I've said for those of you that aren't for those of you that aren't local to the podcast that don't know us, like our area in southern Indiana, particularly the area that me the the area me and Kurt live, we're like an hour smack dab in between Evansville. And Louisville, Kentucky, in either direction. Uh, but 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 our area, everybody's either a Cincinnati Reds fan because you can be in Cincinnati in three hours, a St. Louis Cardinals fan because you can be in St. Louis in three hours, uh, or you know a Cubbies fan or a White Sox fan because Chicago's, you know, we're in Southern Indiana, Chicago's just you know right up there, or a Yankees fan because everybody's a fucking Yankees fan. I, I personally. I'm a Philadelphia Phillies fan, you know. Bryce Harper, but uh, you know, I'd be interested to see what goes on with Cardinals fan. I'd like to hear what Cardinals fan have to think about Ewing taking over as bench coach, like, like Matt Carpenter or Matt Carpenter. Uh, you know, I just lost my train of thought. I was thinking, I was looking at my notes ahead at something i think i think matt holiday i don't know why i said my car i think matt holiday um that would have been all i just don't understand why he takes the job and then he resigns two months later i mean i i'm all for wanting to spend time with your family believe me uh i love nothing more than time with my children but uh you know i mean whatever that that's good that's you know good for him and uh we will definitely see what happens now, let's, uh, let's segue. We've got about two or three pieces of news left. I want to segue um, to the other part of this transgender podcast that I was going to talk about tonight. And that's going on with this whole NCAA transgender banning discrimination thing and all that stuff because some big shit went down. So, today, uh, former Kentucky swimmer Riley Gaines and about two dozen protesters outside the, the NCAA convention protested the inclusion of transgender athletes in women's sports and threatened, they threatened the NCAA with legal action if it doesn't change his policy. Now, I know you're thinking, why does Riley Gaines sound familiar? Oh, yeah, she was that girl that was a guy that won the... No, that was Leah Thomas. We'll get to that. Riley Gaines competed in last year's NCAA Swimming and Diving Championship Games against Penn's Leah Thomas, who became the first transgender woman to win a national title, the Women's 500-Yard Freestyle, she also placed fifth in the 200 freestyle tie-in with Gaines. Okay, so now you see where I'm going with this? Okay, <clears throat> quote, Today we intend to personally tell the National Collegiate Athletic Association to stop discriminating against female athletes by handing them a petition that we have garnered nearly 10,000 signatures on in just a couple of days. And, and keep in mind, there, there was a lot of people there and protesters. So this has been a hot-button topic that's that's uh, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, the whole alphabet community and transgender thing is a hot-button issue regardless, but particularly in professional and collegiate sports, sp- more specifically collegiate sports because they're not adults, they're not pro-athletes. Well, I guess they are adults, but you know what I mean. Like, Anyways, uh, this has divided the, the country for, for the last few years with a lot of people saying that transgender athletes have an advantage, particularly transgender women, over cisgender women in competition. Now, it should be worth noting that 18 states, to the best of my knowledge, and I, I, don't, I don't know if there's more or not. I found 18. I didn't dig a whole lot. I'm not going through the list of 18. You can check that in your Google machine if you'd like to. Uh, but so far, 18 states have passed laws that ban fucking shut it down, Ban transgender athletes from participating in female school sports. Now, earlier this month, a federal judge ruled that West Virginia's ban is 100% constitutional and can remain in place. Now, the NCAA has uh, permitted transgender athletes to compete since 2010. The transgender student athlete participation policy that's a mouthful the transgender student athlete participation policy was updated last year taking a sport by sport approach that brings the ncaa in line with the united states and international olympic committees hold on it gets better full implementation of the policy was scheduled to be phased in by August 2022, but the Board of of Governors approved this week a recommendation to delay that through the 2023-2024 academic year to address, quote, operational considerations for this issue. Now, NCAA leadership says that the stated goal in the policymaking is, quote, not if transgender athletes are included, but how? So in their mind, this was going back to what I said about the boxing thing. You know, we're not just, we're not discluding you. We are including you. We're just going to do it a different way. Well, that opened up a can of worms. Uh, Ivy League Executive Director Robin Harris said of this today, we want to have an environment that is fair, welcoming, and inclusive, or inclusive, sorry, inclusive for all the athletes. They're playing by the rules, said NCAA Director of Inclusion Gene Merrill. Now, Shyler Baylor, a transgender man who switched from the women's swim team to the men's swim team during his time at Harvard, said he believes the NCAA is doing the best it can to be inclusive, fair, and effective with its policies. The challenge is uh, that the standards are not static. Uh, Now, and then this is where what I said, it gets interesting. Now, while this protest was going on, uh, and this is another mouthful. Well, not really a mouthful. The Alliance Defending Freedom Attorney, Christiana Christina Kiefer, said that the NCAA is violating Title, is violating title IX. We all know what Title IX is, okay? Uh, it's violating Title IX, the gender equity legislation from 70s, you know, She said, so I think that could look like a federal lawsuit coming against the NCAA. I think that could look like a Title IX complaint, and I think it could look like even universities starting to actually push back against the NCAA saying, hey, we have a legal obligation to protect fair athletic opportunities for female athletes, and if we fail to do that, you're kind of binding our hands and not allowing us to fill our legal obligations to our female athletes at our schools. Now, the NCAA has not yet taken a stand against states that have banned transgender athletes from competing, but it's been rumored that things are going to be coming because the NCAA has previously banned states from hosting its championship events because of the use of Confederate flag symbolism or for laws that it believed discriminated against the alphabet community. So... That was a lot to process. I'll give you that. That was a huge amount of stuff to process. Um, I will say this. It was nice to see a protest for once uh, on a college university or around a college university or whatever. And not seeing the news that somebody got shot. Somebody died. Somebody got arrested. So that's a plus. That's moving forward. That's being proactive. That's always a good thing to see. So we got two things left, and I'm going to skip one of them. Uh, I will just say uh, Olivia Dunn pretty much shut down LSU security that was supposed to be protecting her. Who's Olivia Dunn? Well, if you've been all over TikTok and Facebook, you know who Olivia Dunn is. She's uh, she's a gymnast star for the LSU Tigers. Uh, she's a social media influencer. She's, what, 19, 20 years old, whatever. She's got, like, 10 million followers across social media. And she had a, a meet coming up, and basically her fans shut the shit down. Uh. Google it, check it out. It's impressive. I watched the video, read the article. Uh, we're just, uh, yeah. Her fans shut security down. <clears throat> they didn't have enough. Basically, LSU's come out publicly saying they're going to have to rethink security for this young lady. Uh, I'm going to end with Trevor Bauer. Callback. We have talked about Trevor Bauer so much. Uh, So, okay, sorry. I just had a text and thought it would be from Kurt waking up, but it wasn't. Okay, so callbacks, uh, Trevor Bauer. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this on yesterday's show or not. I know when I said yesterday that Kurt and I had started to work on a format to do notes last week and then we had to recancel, I put something in it because uh, Trevor Bauer was released today by the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, which is complete and utter fucking bullshit and the Dodgers aren't even my team uh, he was released today six days after they de- he was designated to start pitching because you know he won the whole bullshit thing and the equivalent of time served and they was putting him back in the league well uh so here we go uh they were trying to trade him, I guess. They couldn't find anyone to to take the trade, uh, so they pushed him on release waivers that ultimately makes him a free agent. Now, the Dodgers are going to owe him the remainder salary of $22.5 million in 2023, but they're going to save uh, a little over... Three-quarters of a million dollars, just under three-quarters of a million dollars, the Major League minimum, if another team decides to sign him. Now, Bauer's going to turn 32 this month. Uh, He hasn't pitched since he faced the sexual assault allegations in the middle of the 2021 season, which we all remember. Uh, Ten months later, that's when Manford handed Bauer a 324-game suspension, a two-year suspension, which was twice as long as the longest penalty under the league's domestic violence policy. Bauer appealed this. It triggered a seven month grievance process that ended with that ended with independent arbitrator ruling on December 22nd that Bauer's suspension would be trimmed to 194 games and he would be reinstated immediately. So Bauer, who will be docked pay for 50 games at the start of this season, won the National League Cy Young as a member of the Cincinnati Reds during the COVID-19 season of 2020. Bauer joined the Dodgers in February of 2021 on a three-year, $102 million contract, but he didn't pitch past June 28th. So, And we've all heard this story. This is about the the two sexual encounters at his home in Pasadena with this young lady uh, from San Diego. Uh, she'd file for the domestic violence, restraint order. And we've, and, and I'm telling you, you'll have to go back to weeknight Chronicles episodes. I don't know if it'll be in the title or, or it might be in the episode description because sometimes what's in the title of the show episode is not in the episode description. Uh, these basically these two had rough sex. And when I say rough sex, I mean like rough, rough sex. Uh, some people are into it, you know, whatever. I mean kinky's kinky, not I learned a long time ago you say not my kink if it's not yours. So just I guess I'm guessing I'm saying don't judge Trevor for having kinky fucked up sex that you know some of you are don't have the gall to have anyways. Uh damn did that that's not a really fucked up thing to say. I'm sorry, I'm running without a Kurt here. I have no Kurt. I have no Kurt filter tonight. But anyways uh, as as we uncovered this story all throughout 2021 and 2022, more and more information came out. Then the information started coming out that, you know, this they had this rough sex. It was consensual. Then the information comes out that this woman had exchanged text messages with her friends saying they were going to extort money out of Trevor Bauer. Then there's all this shit. Well, all of they extorted money, he got a little violent with like this was a completely fucked up story like this bitch literally ruined his life. Yes, I said bitch. I did. I'll own up to it. This bitch literally ruined his life for a couple of years. So, uh, but then two other women would come forward making similar allegations. Uh, and that's when Major League Baseball lost their shit, and they handed out a two-year suspension. Now, during that time, uh, the Dodgers didn't say a lot. They're just like, hey, uh don't come around the facility. We don't need this kind of shit. Uh, Trevor had maintained his innocence from day one. Uh, to best of my knowledge, if Trevor is guilty of anything, it's just that he's a dirty, kinky freak. That don't make him a fucking criminal. Now, the arbitrator's ruling came down a few days before Christmas. The Dodgers took the maximum time allowed, which was two weeks, to determine whether or not to reinstate him onto the roster. During that stretch of time, sources say the team's principal decision makers reached out to players to gauge their comfort level with welcoming him back into the clubhouse, and they met personally with Trevor Bauer in Arizona. In a statement released just last week Friday, Bauer alleged that the Dodgers told me that they wanted me to return and pitch for them this year. A Dodgers source claimed today that that meeting – did not go as Bauer said it could go. So regardless now, they're going to owe him 22 million dollars for this year and he's not playing. He's that's guaranteed money in his pocket. He's getting that wherever. Now if he signs somewhere and picks up somewhere, and Bauer's going to get signed. Bauer didn't do a fucking thing wrong. Bauer was convicted of no crime. Bauer yeah, he like he likes freaky fucked up sex. That's not a crime. That's not a crime. Show me where that's a crime. Uh, This woman had text messages where they were talking about extorting money. And you know what? And and again, this was in the weeknight Chronicles episode way back in the spring and summer. I don't remember what episode it was, but we talked about this issue over two or three episodes at different points of the year. And, And one episode in particular Text messages were exchanged. Now, whether it actually said Bauer, I think there was a possibility it might have even said, we're just going to extort money out of some pro athlete. Whatever it is, Bauer picked the wrong bitch to hook up with. That, I mean, it didn't cost him his career, I shouldn't say. Bauer's going to bounce back. Bauer, Bauer should be playing. I I don't know. So, uh, I can't believe they fucking cut him, man. Like, and I'm not even a Dodgers fan. That's Kurt's team. They cut Trevor Bauer over these allegations. And, And I've said it, if I've said it once, I've said it 100 times, 100 million times. If you force your way onto a woman, If you sexually assault a woman, if you physically violently beat a woman, if you do anything like that to a woman, you need to be held responsible and you need to be punished. Bauer didn't do nothing wrong because it was consensual sex and he's paying the price for it. And I just I hate this. I hate this for this guy. Oh anyway, it'll be an interesting story to to uh to um keep your eye on. I'll do my best to uh to keep you guys updated. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm so glad we've made it to the end of the show tonight and you guys were able to keep with me in my ADHD. I don't have ADHD. I did it when I was a kid. I had it so bad. I was a fucking zombie on Ritalin. I had to take Ritalin in the morning, I had to take Ritalin in the afternoon, then when I was a kid I had to take a pill to come off the Ritalin so I wouldn't be a zombie. Like my life was my life was fucked for a long time. I turned out okay. But uh at any rate <laughs> at any rate uh I appreciate you guys sticking with me. I hate doing these shows alone. It's one thing it's it's one thing when I'm doing episodes by myself and I literally just You know, I throw my earbuds in and I just record, you know, just a quick episode. It's a whole nother thing when I'm sitting here running an hour and a half by myself with on the mic and I've got no governor on me to make sure that I don't fuck up like Kurt or I've got no, I've got no, uh, equivalent. I've got no Jerry, the King Lawler to my Jim Ross. You know, I've got no, I've got no Pat McAfee to my Michael Cole you know, so, uh, I miss you, (laughs) and, uh, we'll try again, I'm telling you, this is going to be a good year for us, 2022 was an outstanding year for us, far better than 2021 was, and, uh, we're only going to get better with age, baby, Cali, and you know which one you are, there's multiple regular users, listeners in Cali, but you'll know I'm talking about you. You'll know it's you, whichever one you are. Hit me up. Hit up the podcast on our web, on our uh, Facebook page. Hit us up on Twitter. The best way so I won't fucking miss it, hit me up on my Twitter account, at the Atkins Asylum. Just think of the word fat and take the F off. That's how you spell Atkins. Atkins with a T, not a D. Just hit me up, the Atkins Asylum. Let's talk, Callie. I want you on the show. Okay, what's next for Steel Toes and Scoreboards? I don't know. I've got to get through this month, and then we're going to start putting out bangers, full-length episodes. We'll probably start the year off with a bang doing a World Series episode. Will it be a random one? I don't know. Will it be an anniversary one? I don't know. We might even end up doing Killdozer. Who the fuck knows? I'm going to let it up to my co-host. He's the uh, brains of the operation. But uh, anyways, guys, I I do... Honestly, I want to... Uh, Thank you, guys. Uh, I'm working on a new show open uh, for the year. It's time to retire the extremely loud and staticky and bad quality. I shouldn't say bad quality. The Beastie Boys intro is just, uh, it does not. I shouldn't say it does not. It just doesn't doesn't play that good in the old ear um it's loud i didn't the eq i i had it fucked up on there that's why it's the way it is but that being said guys for for kurt kelly puss i love you puss uh oh what we got going on here my phone is just being a a butt for kirk kelly i'm jared atkins it's great to be back have a great year everybody and uh we'll see you next time Alright guys we'll, we'll see you next time Don't order the rights to any of this content right here Just in the mood to have a little outro back